Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 15 of the Running Technique Tips Podcast, the season where we have been talking all things 5K training and racing. Now joined by my co-host via Sydney, Lisa Biffin. How are you? I'm good, Brian. I've um, been keeping pretty busy actually the last week and a bit. It's been a little Me bit too. Since, yeah, since we spoke. We, we've, we've both had a few life challenges thrown at us, haven't we? Life is getting in the way at the moment and consequently this podcast is a bit late. (laughs) I know, we've been sort of trekking around all over the place and had lots of things going on. So I've been good, I've been getting in lots of running, but it has been just the ultimate juggle for me the last week and a bit. Yeah, you're doing well. Well, yeah, I've been getting a bit of running as well. Probably not quite as much as you, but still able to keep things ticking over and heading in the right direction. Yeah, but what have you been up to? You've been Mr. Busy as well, which is not normally like you, actually. It's normally me that's whinging and moaning about being too busy. I know. Well, yeah, I think as I alluded to last time, I've been in these uh, recruitment processes looking for a job and that has definitely been keeping me busy with multiple interviews and presentations and various chats so yeah lots of back and forth to Melbourne for those so yeah that's been uh, time consuming and not just yeah not just time consuming but it's also fairly mentally taxing preparing for those kind of examinations like is it recruiting such a, a weird artificial thing where you have to go and be interviewed and it's it's not very real life and certainly very different to when you're actually in your job and what mm. you're sort of required to do so mm. does come a little bit out of left field and I actually went and experienced a triathlon on the weekend as well supporting my my brother and my niece and the, my brother was completing it Olympic length triathlon, which is which is fairly long. That's a really yeah. long one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my niece was doing a, I think it was, I can't remember exactly. It had a weird name. It had a weird name. It was something like triathlon or something, but it was a, a shorter, a shorter triathlon. And yeah, she actually came second, which was oh, pretty good. Well done. And overall, in that race, and she's only thirteen, so she's doing pretty well. Yeah, no, she's going really well. And how did your brother go? Yeah, he was good. He was pretty happy. He. Um, He's not the. He's like me. Well, he's he's not like me because I'm a terrible swimmer. But he, he's a, an average swimmer who has taken a lot of lessons and has has got a lot better. But he still found his swim leg fairly tough. Fifteen hundred meters in the in the bay. So yeah, it's not like swimming okay in the pool where you get to push off every twenty five or fifty meters. Like when you've when you've actually got to go out into the swell and get around this course, it's actually quite hard. So he found his swim quite difficult, but he absolutely smashed it on the bike. And he did okay on the run. He wasn't so happy with his run leg, but I think probably his run leg wasn't as good as normal because um, he'd overachieved on the bike probably. So, <laughs> yeah, but he went pretty well. He was happy with his time. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was under two and a half hours, I think. Uh, oh, that's very good. Which is which is apparently good going. I'm, I don't have a good head for for that kind of thing, but, yeah, no. he was pretty happy. Yeah. I, do you know, I've actually done one Olympic distance triathlon. I'm not sure if we've spoken about it before on this podcast. No. And it was the most horrendous experience of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But it was probably my own fault, actually, because I think I did one of those triathlon things like your niece and it was me and all the 12 and 13-year-olds and I, I I did it on a mountain bike and absolutely smashed everybody and thought, like, you know, how, how good am I against the 12-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> so naturally the next step is to enter an Olympic distance triathlon, right? Of course. And so I bought a fancy 
road bike thing. I, and I, I don't cycle, but, you know, I figured we'll – I think it's 40, 40 Ks, I think, is the cycle. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, so I was that idiot that went out and bought new bike, cleats, uh, triathlon suit. Like I spent a fortune on everything that you could possibly – You turned need. into a triathlete. <laughs> Totally ten inch triathlete, and we entered the Byron Bay triathlon. My husband did it as well, and anyway, I I can actually swim, so headed off into the fifteen hundred meter swim. I think like all the yeah, distances right. yeah. are a bit foggy in my head, and actually did really well in the swim. And I remember coming out of the water, going, you know, I'm in the top bunch here. I just need to get through this cycle and then onto the run leg, which is my strength. And I, I pretty much already told myself that I was going to win this thing. <laughs> And I had done one cycle on my bike before this race. So I went down to Centennial Park where we train and there's heat. There's a cycling about a 4K loop. And my husband and I were like, right, we'll do 20Ks. We'll get through that and then we'll be fine for this triathlon. I got through 4Ks and I was thinking, this sucks. Like cycling sucks. I'm terrible. I'm uncomfortable. And I thought, no, 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 keep going. And up ahead, I saw my husband. I thought, oh, no, he must have like blown a tire or something. So I went up to him, so is everything okay? And he's like, cycling sucks. I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) This is the reason why we're runners, right? Exactly. And I was like, this is the out I've been looking for. Let's go home. Awesome. We made four kilometers and then we went into this triathlon and I got onto the bike and um, I'm going as hard as I can. And it was as if everyone else was on a motorbike and I was on a push bike. They just flew past me. I've never just watched people go so fast past me in my life. And then I developed Tourette's whilst I was cycling. I was just so <laughs> annoyed at having to be in this damn thing that I volunteered to do. And I think from memory I had the second slowest bike leg of like everybody who entered the race on the day. Yeah. <laughs> and then I redeemed myself in the run leg and finished with one of the quickest run legs, but I actually sold my bike the next week and have never done another triathlon Excellent. ever again. You've retired. That's I'm good. retired. So good on your brother. Exactly. So do you want to take take us through before this becomes a triathlon podcast? Do you want to take us through take us through some of your running exploits over the, yeah, definitely the last week or so? Highlights. Highlights. How's the running going? Have have you managed to collect data about your dodgy ticker? Yeah. Where, yeah. where are we at with that? So a lot's been going on with my running actually. And last week I had my biggest week kilometer and mileage wise, I did eighty one kilometers for the week. So I think the last time I did that was in the marathon build-up, so quite a few months ago now. So I think that's about 50 miles. I was wrapped with that, actually. I was pretty pleased. The body's holding together really well. I'm starting to get a little bit of the niggles with the ITB and the runner's Mm, knee. The gym. Yeah. So I was actually, I did three times in the gym last week um, and I'm back doing our pigeon poses that, yep. <laughs> that that we really like. So it's definitely, it's under control, but I, I definitely need to watch it and have no sort of aggressive spikes in, in training. But I actually did a 3K track race with the sole purpose of spiking my heart rate. So I was basically Mm -hmm. putting myself into a real life stress test because my band arrived, as I had said, and I trained with it on the Tuesday to just sort of work out how to actually use it. And it was 
It was actually, so when you're running along with the watch, you can see your live heart rate data and it is taking that data as you're running along. I call it smart rhythm monitoring. Mm-hmm. But to actually take the ECG, you have to press a button on the on the top and pretty much be stable. And so you have to stop and then, you know, put your thumb on to the little gray square and, and it does the ECG. So I wasn't able to do it whilst I was running, but it's still collecting my heart rate data whilst I'm running. So that's a positive thing. So on the Tuesday, I did a couple of fartleks and did an ECG at the end of each of those fartleks. One of them, the data said that it was possible AFib. So I'm not sure that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so I'm collecting all this data and I've, yep. I've sent it off to the cardiologist. But it only spiked at 178. So yeah. to me, that was sort of, you know, it wasn't really the data that I had seen. So No, that's right. That's not even as high as I got my heart rate in the 5K. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. So that's why I wasn't that concerned about it. But on Saturday, I did a 3000 race and my sole goal was to go out like a psycho and just spike this heart rate. So that's exactly what I did. And I did a 80 second first lap. And just for some context, I haven't done an 80 second lap in training for, I can't even remember the last time. Maybe. It's been a while. Yeah. It, it's it, it's been a very long time, and so I must admit, my legs were even in shock. Going, what what are you doing? <laughs> so I got around the first K. I think it was about a three twenty five, which again I've been nowhere near in that uh, type of pace in in training. So it was definitely a shock to the system, and the heart rate did spike. So it went up to about. 200 within that first K, but I wasn't happy with it because I'd, I'd seen it, um, I'd, I'd seen it go higher. And I had said that I would either step off and do the ECG and then sort of, I don't know, just keep jogging or, or maybe just stop completely. But I actually kept running and I, get, I, I finished, but I was checking my heart rate every 200 meters to make mm-hmm. sure that things were okay. And then it eventually spiked actually at the end at 205. So I took the ECG. It, it didn't come out as it was um, anything crazy was happening because what I find is when I stop my heart rate, it yep. does drop pretty quickly. Yep, because you're really so, fit. <laughs> yeah, so it, it dropped down to 161 pretty much the minute that I crossed the finish line. Okay. But when I look into the smart rhythm monitoring and and I actually ran with two watches, which sounds a bit crazy. I had my Garmin on and I had mm-hmm. the Apple Watch with the um, Cardia band because I was curious to see whether there was a um, a big differential in the heart rate. They were identical. Literally. That doesn't surprise me, actually. I, I think no. the technology these days is pretty reliable. Yeah, literally identical. Whatever the uh, Apple Watch said that my heart rate was, my Garmin was the exact same beat. So for me, that was quite comforting because it was like, well, you know, all this data that I've been collecting over the past few months is actually, it's pretty much, you know, correct. So, um, And did you you experience your your symptoms of breathlessness and that kind of stuff or yeah or so that's an interesting one so absolutely I did but I was so focused on pushing through to <laughs> to really yep. get this result it's amazing what the mind can actually do so it because I wasn't focused at all on the time or the performance um which I'm gonna add I ended up running 10 46 and I'm <laughs> totally blown away by that time 
which is moving. Um, so I was really, really pleased by that, but it, you know, it wasn't the, the focus of it. But what I've had happen in the past few days since that race is just I've been struggling to breathe and I've had mm. like the breathlessness. And then last night in training, again, I did some fart legs and I wasn't really pushing that hard, but they were long fart legs. They were over two Ks each. My heart rate on my warm down kept climbing again. So mm. it kept climbing. I was running over five and a half minute Ks and it, I was watching it go from 170 to 176 to 180. And again, it's just, it's like I've got a, like someone's just sitting on my chest. Mm. And I can't quite get the air in properly. And I was quite um, – so the race was sort of late Saturday. It was about, I think, 6 o'clock Saturday night. And then Saturday night itself I had a terrible sleep because I feel really tingly afterwards. Like, mm, yeah, you know, sometimes good... you're a bit wired anyway after you've yeah. done sort of, you know, some hard exercise. But, again, it was just that – it was like my heart was racing. My heart rate wasn't up, but it was just that feeling yeah. of – so have you relayed all of these, not just the data, but these other symptoms to your cardiologist? Yeah, yes. So, um, And what's he saying or she saying? No, I haven't, I haven't heard back at the moment, actually. Okay. So, um, so that part is still... <laughs> so um, they are not alarmed by what you're saying because <laughs> they haven't got back to you. Otherwise, they would get back to you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I haven't had those discussions yet. But one of the interesting things was that my heart rate, so the zones on, um, on the race, I spent 80% in zone five which is greater Mm -hmm. than 179 beats per minute and most of that was 200 or above beats per minute so it's such a dramatic departure from your 5k the other week when you (laughs) ran 18 30 something and your heart rate barely didn't even get above yeah 145 for most of it yeah exactly so and it you know it's it's all sort of in line with what I've been saying as soon as I'm trying to get down to that pace that's below 330 and in that sort of 320 range there's things aren't working properly but that's not a range that is new to me so Mm. you know I've, I've trained very much in that like a lot in the past. So, you know, if this was the first time I'd ever gone into that that area, I'd be like, oh, maybe my body's just in shock. But mm. because it's not a new thing, that's just what's quite concerning as well. So anyway, so um, self or real life stress test was a success. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've just been doing some easy running since then and in the gym. So, but the next sort of phase for me is just to keep trying to get some results and and find out what's going on with his heart so whether it's abnormally normal and I've just got a very high max heart rate or whether Mm. there's something else going on so is there an appointment set up no because I needed to get the data so the next step was basically you know get the band so tick done that go out Mm. get yourself um you know the data and then send it through so I've done all that and now just waiting to hear back with where we go next. Okay, so you don't think you're going to have to go out and manufacture another max sort of test to (laughs) try and get some data or do you think what you've got is enough? Well, I would hope what I've got is enough. I mean, it's showing the spike to 205 and the length of time and then, you know, I can talk to how I've been feeling. So I guess it's now up to the experts to sort of tell me, well, what Mm. I do next. Yep. So in the meantime, you're going to go back to being sort of a bit more conservative and keeping your heart rate down so you don't experience all of these other nasty side effects? Well, do you know what? It seems to be working for me. Like mm. to to have run my 1833 and I spent the 
two weeks prior to that, you know, I'd been saying how I'd become quite unmotivated. I wasn't sure how I was, you know, I, I was going to training sessions and feeling like I was just going through the motions. And I was training to not allow my heart rate to get above 150 beats per minute. I know that I've done a lot of work leading into that. So it wasn't just those two weeks that resulted in that time, but yeah. it was as though my body really enjoyed that. And then even just the mm. race itself being very disciplined and running to you know that heart rate. And I felt amazing. Mm. I certainly did not feel the next few days how I've been feeling now with feeling like I've got, you know, someone sitting on my chest. So yeah, and getting, like getting back in. That. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand that. And, and getting back to training that way is going to be perfect for your upcoming half marathon and marathon campaigns. So yeah, um, it really is. And do you know what, like that, the 5k race, because I was sort of down in a bit of a motivational dumps there for a bit has just completely inspired me to stick with this aerobic type training. So I'm actually Well let's just, call it, let's call it submaximal. But. Yeah, sub okay, we'll call it submaximal. <laughs> but but yeah, you've been doing a lot of it. I mean, you know, you ran that race arguably aerobically for a lot of it in that five K. So Yeah. Um, I shouldn't be too picky about what you call it. <laughs> No, but I'm like I'm really excited and just chomping at the bit to move into this 10k and, and half marathon type distances now because I'm finally feeling fit and it, it's one thing that I think I finally my my body and I know that you're probably going to talk about this too like my body feels like it's finally fit like I've done that 12 months of just hard mm. yards of slogging it out doing the slow running and actually just getting yourself or getting myself fit that now I feel like I'm actually ready to race and I'm ready to be, mm. you know, part of these races um, and, and push myself rather than be a bit fearful on the start line thinking, yep. oh, I don't know if I'm fit enough. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so that's been me. So let's talk about uh, your revelations for the past 10 days. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's nothing extraordinarily outlandish in there, but, you know, Sometimes when you're waiting for fitness, it's, you know, it's a bit like being at the train station and waiting for the train that's running late and you just think this thing's just never going to arrive. Yeah. Um, but then it does. And fitness, for me at least, I've experienced in the last couple of years has been something that sometimes it just seems like it's not going to arrive and then it does in, in like a big step forward. So fitness for me at least doesn't appear to have sort of arrive on some kind of nice linear graph where you just see this gradual improvement on a day-by-day or week-by-week basis. It's sort of like, you know, one week all of a sudden you've just gone up a whole level and yeah. there doesn't appear to be, I mean, there's obviously a reason for it, but it just it always surprises me that you can have this sort of big jump forward and you know i've been sort of monitoring my paces and heart rate and effort and training aerobically and in the last sort of two weeks i've gone from running aerobically at around you know having to average in a lot of cases six minute kilometer pace and now i'm heading out for runs and there'll be kilometers in there that are sort of like 508 510 520s and you know i've sort of gone from you know the average of close to six minute pace to sort of more like around 520 to 530 with some other faster Ks in there running aerobically. So yeah, just that's to me that's that's like a quite a big step forward. Like when you all of a sudden you're running nearly a, a minute per kilometer faster in mm. some cases than what you were before. That's that's a pretty major jump forward in in submaximal fitness anyway. Um, in that what does that do fitness. to your headspace and your motivation? Uh, it's good because uh, uh, 
you know, I enjoy running a little bit faster and I think my mechanics are better when I'm running a little bit faster and that's probably the case for most people. And look, you can kind of manage that by doing run walking, which I sort of did for a lot of this sort of last three months, which meant that I could run a little bit faster than what my fitness would actually allow me to sustain. Or you can you can just slow right down, <laughs> which is sort of what I did towards the, the later bit as I was trying to get a little bit more unbroken running to build my fitness. Mm. And now I know I can sort of head out. You know, I think I sent you my data from a 90-minute long run that I did the other day. And during that run, I was ticking you know in the in the first sort of five or six k's i was ticking off a couple of sort of five eight five oh eight or five ten kilometers and yeah that is good it's nice to be moving a bit quicker without having to kind of strain for it so yeah fitness has arrived and it feels good how long do you think it's taken you to get to this point uh well i I suppose three months but even including like last year you did that really big build up and mm. even the year before i suppose like i know that yep. you had a bit of time off between the the marathon after melbourne marathon 2018 do you think this is just a big accumulation of sort of your 2017 and 2018 campaign or look i, th- I think that would help and i definitely think that would help but yeah as as you mentioned i had a, after both 2017 and 2018 i did have quite a bit of time off after both of them so there would have been a fair bit of fitness regression by taking, you know, effectively two to three months off of not doing very much after both of those campaigns. So, yeah, you definitely lose a lot of fitness in that time and it takes a while to get it back. But there's definitely, you know, I think we've spoken about that sort of muscle memory effect with your fitness as well where once you've sort of been there before, maybe you can get back there a little bit faster. And I'm probably, although I haven't gone and done a, an MAF test, you know, where you go and go to the track and try and run at your aerobic heart rate and see how fast you can go on a kilometre by kilometre basis, just the fact that I've got my GPS on at the moment, I can sort of say that I'm probably not running quite as fast as what I was when I was doing the sort of 80Ks a week for the marathon yep. build-up, yep. but I'm pretty close to that and the volume of running that I've done is is about half. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the last sort of four weeks, you know, I've only sort of really been averaging what I do. Last week I only did 42Ks, but the week before I had sort of 46 and a 43 and a 46. So, so it's sort of about 40 let's call it 40 to 45 k's a week average over mm. the last sort of three to four weeks and my aerobic speed is probably going as well as what it was when I was running 80 k's a week leading mm. up to the marathon so there could be some reasons for that <laughs> <laughs> well you've tweaked your technique as well but I think it's always a really good lesson you know distance running is really about patience isn't it patience and consistency and I don't know, I like to go back and sometimes have a look sort of where I've come from yep. to really appreciate where you are now because I don't know about you, but you know, you have goals. Like, for example, you wanted to break 20 minutes for um, 5Ks and, and you didn't hit it and so sometimes you beat yourself up about it. But, you know, go back go back two years and and see where you're at. Like I did that in 2017. I just had my daughter and I, I could actually barely run like, mm. at pace 
a five minute K. I went back and had a look at a four K race I did, and I was running four minute fifty two Ks as the actual like in a race. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and fast forward two years, and and now I'm back racing three minute thirty five Ks, and I think you've just sometimes stop and appreciate where you've come from, but then also accept it is a it is a little bit of a long a long game. And I think probably in the reflections after the my marathon. Well, let's call it a disaster. It wasn't really a disaster because no, nobody got hurt, but it didn't go as planned. No, maybe um, just your ego, your pride. Uh, yeah, ego, ego a little bit bruised. But just sort of reflecting on, you know, we talked a lot about building up a base and consistency and, yeah, working on that aerobic base. And I think one of my reflections after the, the marathon was to think more about the overall health of your aerobic system rather than like a volume-based input to... Um, how well you're going and I feel like at the moment that the aerobic system is probably healthy healthier than what it was in the marathon despite the the lesser volume and yeah lots of reasons for that obviously you know stress that we spoke about so less stress that's good (laughs) and probably the other thing that that I've you know had to do as we were chasing these times in the three and 5k training was to to start doing some harder sessions and although I haven't done a lot of them just starting to do some some sessions at threshold pace and some other shorter sessions where doing some 200 sort of rep pace work as well and I think that kind of training agrees with me (laughs) yeah yeah and and although and it was sort of what I've tried to do with the having a look at the Dr. Phil Maffetone training where uh, the idea is to keep building your aerobic base and you will get your aerobic speed will increase over time. And look, to an extent, I think I've probably proved that that actually does work. But I, I think probably for me, what works at least on alongside that or better is is the ability to run faster off doing a, a little bit of this kind of threshold work, especially. And Look, I've heard, listened to Dr. Phil on, on a lot of podcasts and, look, he sort of describes he's not kind of wedded to the idea of you only have to run slow. Like he definitely talks about the ability to do blocks of anaerobic training. But he basically says you can, if you want to train however you like, as long as you can demonstrate that your aerobic system is healthy by improved aerobic speed, which you could measure in those sort of math tests or just by looking at your GPS watch. If your aerobic system is healthy, then he's sort of pretty much saying, well, well, yeah, you, you, you keep going and do whatever it is that you're doing that is making you improve. Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. But are you going to go and do a math test anytime soon just to... Yeah, look, I might. I've sort of held off on doing that and... You can sort of see how well you're going just on a daily basis anyway, just by mm. having a look at your watch. So I haven't been in a hurry to go and do it, but I might go and do one just out of interest in the in the next couple of weeks before we really sort of hit into this cross-country and road racing training <laughs> that yeah. we're both going to be embarking on. But the probably the other thing I've been sort of reflecting on and it was good to do these 5K and 3K efforts to just sort of demonstrate that my max heart rate is actually a, a fair bit higher than what you might predict off the, the 220 minus your age formula. So mm. I probably think even the the kind of the aerobic level that I've chosen to train at based on the, the 180 minus your age Maffetone formula, which we've spoken about quite a bit, is possibly a little bit low for me because my max heart rate is a little bit higher than what you might expect. So yeah, even when I've been running recently in some of those longer runs, if I've been through a stretch where 
you know, my heart rate sort of popped up to, you know, 140 or 142, it still feels pretty easy at that stage and I can still breathe like in a 4-4 breathing pattern even up to about 143 or one, or about 143, 144 beats a minute. So I suspect my aerobic heart rate is slightly higher than what the 180 minus your age would suggest, which at the moment is 136. So I'll probably give myself a little bit more leeway to run at a slightly higher intensity aerobically. And as we sort of chase good performances over sort of cross-country 10k road 15k road half marathon and ultimately marathon that yeah obviously there'll be that ongoing mostly threshold training of various sorts leading into that which will again hopefully get my my improve my pace at around or under threshold um, and hopefully as well push down my aerobic or push up my aerobic speed at a particular heart rate as well which would be good for my marathon campaign towards the end of the year. Mm. It's a really good point that you've brought up here and, you know, this is a, a, a test that anyone can go and do. They can go and run a 5K, you know, at their local park run or just around the block to get a bit of a measure of, you know, their potential max heart rate and actually adjust accordingly so that, you know, if, if you are looking at training to these heart rate type of models that, you know, like you've done, you're now going to adjust your, your paces and, and your heart rates and in your different zones. Just slightly. And there's something else I was going to say, but now I've forgotten, Lisa. <laughs> oh, that's okay, because I was, I will just jump in there then, because um, I'll just talk about myself instead. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm curious to work out what's going on with my heart rate, because, you know, I've, I've actually cut some figures looking at a max heart rate of 200 which I know that it's it's quite extreme but even though I've seen mine get up into like the 220s recently but looking at you know what a max heart rate means for me then running sort of aerobically you know I, I potentially can go up to 158 beats per minute whereas if you were doing my you know 180 minus my age it should be at 145 yeah. and if I go out running I know that, you know, if I'm running along and I'm not looking at anything and then I look back at the data later and it's, you know, maybe 155, but it's felt effortless. Like it's felt mm. as though, you know, I, I haven't even raised a sweat. So, you know, it, I'm really interested to, first of all, work out if there's something sinister going on in yeah. my heart. <laughs> so that's number one. But if there's not, then let's go and readjust those um, thresholds that I can mm. train to so that I can actually just get the best out of myself. That's true. Although, harking back to what we were talking about earlier and how well you've been going off training more conservatively, <laughs> perhaps that might not be wise. But I think the interesting thing for you will be if ultimately the cardiologists determine that you need some sort of treatment and intervention, what would your max heart rate look like after that intervention happens? You know, there might be like a true max heart rate for Lisa rather than the one that you're experiencing at the moment. Well, that's why I didn't do it at 220. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wise. Why, why I chose the figure 200. Just to, I really was just doing a bit of a, an exercise of, well, what does that actually look like for, you know, the ranges for me and how does that correlate with either the training or the racing I've been doing, you know, how have I been feeling, et cetera. And I just think it's a really good exercise for, you know, maybe everybody to do, you know. I'm sure we all mm. fluctuate and change as we age and, you know, our mm -hmm. life changes. So I think it's a good point that you brought up. That's true. So I probably I will be making some minor adjustments, but I, in terms of um, if I'm having an easy day or I'm just going out recovering in between sessions or after races, I'll, I'll, I will run 
to what my um, 180 minus my age formula is. I'll, like I don't see any purpose in running any faster than that if it is actually a true recovery day. So even if I'm running five to 10 beats under my aerobic heart rate limit, that's probably actually going to do me good on those recovery days. So mm. I'll definitely be sort of, that's one of the reflections. I think it's just been really good over this period to learn what easy is for me and be kind of comfortable running in that range as as and when I need to. So that was that was one thing that I was thinking about the other day. That although I'm I'm, I'm still going to base the majority of my training at that aerobic level, but yeah, it has been good experience to train that way. See how well you can run off that, and I was able to run pretty good performances off almost an entire diet of of fairly slow aerobic training. <laughs> and I guess what I was trying to do was to yeah see how how well you can do with minimising intensity and see how well you could run off, run off that and and now that I've done that I can just slowly add in some intensity and see what happens uh, with the the diet of aerobic plus a little bit of intensity thrown in on top so mm. I think we'll probably start to see the the results of that over the next month or so as I start sort of lining up in some in some more races going forward so yeah it'll be interesting to see how how that works out and my yeah. strategy is going to be is to not be doing a lot of like high-end VO2 max work, but just to sort of add in this sort of threshold work as my my other diet of, um, of running on top of the aerobic um, and see how that goes. Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting one and it'll be interesting one to watch mm. given your, you know, potential change of lifestyle shortly as well. So <laughs> that's yes. probably one to watch. Indeed. So what else? Yeah, so I have over the last couple of weeks managed to get out a couple of longish runs although nothing super long it was good to do an unbroken 90 minute run the other day and maintain sort of good pace throughout that and the week before I managed to get out quite a good quality threshold session basically what I did was to head out with the ambition of doing about 24 minutes worth of threshold pace work and the reason I wanted to do that was upcoming in fact today there's there's a uh, sort of an opening pre-season race that Eureka and Wendery Athletic Clubs are putting on lap of the lake in Wendery so I wanted to kind of have about that sort of time frame for 6k sort of under my belt in terms of threshold so I what I did was was basically constructed of a nine minute effort another nine minute effort and a six minute effort so that took me to about 18 20 about 25 minutes worth of work so that was the the session kind of as planned and the first nine minute effort I ran fairly conservatively averaged 151 heart rate pace was about 434 kilometer pace which is okay Mm. probably wasn't running right up close to my threshold level hence the pace was a little bit lower the second I then had two minutes of jogging recovery in between and then I did a nine minute 20 something effort in that one I averaged 157 so I was pushing up closer to my threshold and the pace there was 425s and then I did a three minute jog and then I had a six minute effort and in that one I think I averaged 161 so it was probably pretty much bang on about threshold for me especially considering that that 181 heart rate and looking at that zone of sort of 88 to 92 percent of your max heart rate and that one averaged 427s and then I realized I was running late (laughs) (laughs) 
So I had to do, this was unplanned, I then had to do another nine-minute effort to try and get home in time (laughs) for another commitment, which I realised I was never going to make unless I fanged at home. And I I think that one was probably more like a marathon effort. So, and and there was a little bit of, I didn't actually hit the the watch when I stopped my preceding one, but I I probably averaged about sort of 4.30s to 4.40s to get myself home in time for my next commitment. So Mm. I actually ended up doing about 30 two odd minutes of work which is a bit more than I had planned but um, I've pulled up really well after that so I've got a good level of fitness there for um, for what's coming up for me and I, I had alluded to the fact that I'd entered the Canberra Marathon which was always going to be a bit of a bit of a stretch so I decided that dropping back to the half for Canberra and that's actually something I've got to see how I actually do that would be the way to go. So working on this kind of threshold and sub-threshold training um, in preparation for the Canberra half is what I'm going to be focusing on in the next sort of week or two before that happens. It's only three weeks away. I know. Two weeks away, actually. (laughs) I know. And and I'm going to use the the 6K run tonight as an unbroken threshold run. So I won't be going flat out in that, but I will be um, putting in a good solid unbroken six-kilometre threshold type run around Lake Wenderee and hopefully that'll be a bit easier with a few other people around me. I've actually, I just looked in the diary, so it's two and a half weeks away. Gosh, that has crept up, hasn't it? It really has, yes. And yeah, there's only a small window of opportunity now to get in a couple more training efforts that are actually going to make a difference in the race. Mm, Like mm. if you accept that notion of it takes about 10 days to have any of the, any of your training sort of be absorbed by your body and then be there and available to you in your race. Like, yeah, there's only about a week or so of available training time to actually do any sessions or training that's going to make a difference on the day. Mm, oh well, and we're going head to head in that uh, <laughs> in that <laughs> Canberra race. I think, given the form that you showed there, I'm not going to be trying to keep up with you, Lisa. That is for sure. So, <sighs> I think our goals will be quite different and. <laughs> I will be, I'm going to try, I will put it out there. I'm going to try and run, run 90 minutes or under, which would be good. Last year, I ran about 95 and a half or something, I think it was. And I didn't do any specific threshold type work ahead of that. So it'd be interesting to see how having done some threshold training and these 5K efforts and the 3K effort, how they kind of help me um, to run at a higher intensity for, for about an hour and a half. Mm, well, we've two and a half weeks and we'll find out. I just exactly. hope it's not as cold as it was last year. It was so <laughs> or <cold>. windy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we get a non-windy day because it mm. is a bit of a wind tunnel on the freeway there when you're running out um, to the turnaround point. But, but what about you? What are your goals going to be for Canberra? You'd be, you'd be running under 84 minutes, I'd reckon, given your form. I, that's actually my goal. So I was in two schools of thought because I've been feeling pretty good running around 350 pace. And so now that my my husband is a runner, not not a surfer, we were we were discussing tactics. He's a fast runner now. <laughs> but I sort of said, "Oh, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm going to have a really good crack and I'm going to go out at 350s." And he was like, "Ooh, it's a long way at 350s." Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Damn it, he's right. Like he's actually talking sense now." Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's turning the mirror back on you. Yeah, he literally <laughs> is. But it was it was a good time to turn that mirror. Uh, so my new plan is to actually there's an 85 pace group, and he actually did this last year. He ran with the 85 minute pace group up until about I think he said about 12 k's, yeah. and then he just you know put the foot down. I think he ended up running a, a mid 83 minute 
minute half. And so I'm actually going to replicate that plan. So 85 minutes is just over a tick over four minute Ks, like it might be 401s or 402s. And from memory, because I saw them in the distance, I wasn't with the 85 minute pace group last year, there was actually quite a big group. So as you actually just mentioned that sort of 10 up to that 10k, it's quite an open exposed area. So if it is windy, I'd prefer to be in with a bunch of people. Yeah. And, you know, like what you're going to try and achieve tonight is running with a group of people. It's a lot easier to do that rather than slogging it out on your own. So I just thought if I can tuck in with that group, just feel really comfortable and completely underdone till about that 12K mark and then just open up and see see what's left. Yep. I like that strategy. I like it a lot. Mm. And look, even if I continued with the 85-minute group and ended up running around 85 minutes, um, you know, that would again be like another 10-year-plus PB. So either way, I think I'll be happy. Definitely. Because I I haven't run the half very much, only – I think I've only lined up in two half marathons, actually, in my sporadic running career to date. <laughs> I think my PB is a high 88, and that was the first one that I ever did, but that was yeah. more than 10 years ago now. Yeah. It's a distance that I think I'd like to really get good at because I've I've lined up in a few, but I've often done them as like a Sunday long run. So I, I don't actually really know how to race a half. Uh, well, it's so, it's anyway. tricky. It's tricky for us, and I think we might have mentioned this at some point. But because we're not at the pointy end, you can't just go out there and run right up to your threshold because you can only sustain that for an hour. If you are bang on your threshold, so you really have to run a level back from that and then let yourself build up to that in the latter stages. So that's why I like your conservative running with the 85-minute pace group strategy because that'll allow you to run a bit back from your from your threshold and then build to it towards the end. If you, if you mm. get to your threshold too early, you, you're going to have a tough day at the office. So I've actually experienced that in the very first half marathon that I did and uh, I, I don't remember what time I ran. I think it was like high 80s, maybe an 87 or an 88. But without having really understood, and I think at that stage I was running like 37s, 38s for 10K. So I remember going through 10K in 40 minutes thinking, oh, how easy is this? Like this half marathon business. And all I remember is getting to 17Ks and having to walk. (laughs) (laughs) I had a similar experience in that first one when I did run the high 88 because I went through 10K in 40 minutes as well. And I was very naive about what was required. And I didn't walk, but I tell you what, I was running so slowly, I may as well have been walking towards the end that everyone was passing me. So, <laughs> Oh, I just, I can actually still remember it thinking it's only 4Ks to go, but I, mm. I, I think it took me at least 25 minutes to do 4Ks. Like it was, it was just such a tough day in the office. So I, I was a bit scared to mm. <laughs> toe the line for the next one, but uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that I don't ever have to repeat that again. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Shall we have a bit of a talk? Because we're we're still we're still in our five k training and racing season, and and I'm going to argue that we keep that open and for at least one more week. So there was two things I wanted to do. One was just a bit of a shout out to listeners if you have any questions, comments, etc. About what we've been doing or suggestions over what we've been doing over the last season, feel free to get in touch with us via socials. And I'll also pop up some email addresses in the show notes. I haven't sort of put them out there so much to date, um, but we'll put an email address for, for myself and for Lisa in the show notes. So feel free to get in touch with us that way. And the other thing I wanted to do was just sort of come back to Parkrun 
and just spend a, a few minutes with you, Lisa, brainstorming some different ways to run Parkrun. So, Lisa, I think a lot of people probably go to Parkrun most weeks and just fang it and try and try and run a PB, or certainly a lot of people do that. Look, I know a lot of people also go for the for the social engagement and I'm just happy to jog around and have, an, have a walk. And certainly I've been to Parkrun and used it for that purpose um, a few times in the last couple of years. But just thought it might be good to stop and just talk for those that are a bit more competitively minded, give them some different ideas about how they can use Parkrun without necessarily trying to run a PB every week. Mm, yeah, well, I've, look, I think we've said it a few times, I love Parkrun and I've used it in a, a few different ways. So I've, I've certainly gone out um, to race, but I've also done it um, as part of training sessions as well. So especially I think it's a good one if you are building up for maybe a, a half marathon or a marathon and you need to do like some marathon specific tempos, you can use park run as a part of that tempo. So whether or not maybe you're doing two by 5K tempos, you get to do one with a group of people and then one on your own. Maybe you can make it a part of a tempo. So you, you time it so that um, you know, maybe you start off, you do park run and then you continue on. I've actually done that before, continue on for another, you know, however, 5Ks or 3Ks to finish the tempo distance that you've done. I've used park run to teach myself some tactics in races as well. So one that I actually did when we were in up in Byron over over Christmas. So I was returning after spending a good few weeks, six or so weeks on the couch post marathon, and you know I, I, I was fitish from doing all that marathon training, but I obviously wasn't in much of great shape. So. Uh, we, we went to Parkrun two weeks in a row and the first one I actually used it to run, to learn to run comfortably. And what I mean by that is, you know, the gun goes and to teach yourself to hold back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we've talked about it before, like gun fever, you know, the, the gun goes and, and people sprint off. But to teach yourself, well, what does it feel like in a race that, you know, that I, what does it feel like to run, be running too slow? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I used that strategy and then I, I tried to come home hard over the last kilometre. So I really liked that. I've actually done them as easy runs as well. And then I've also actually, I've done one of the ones in the Blue Mountains, Lawson Park Run, which it was actually a bit of a hill session because if you know the Blue Mountains here in um, in New South Wales, they are hilly. <laughs> <laughs> They are mountains. <laughs> uh, they are mountains. So that was that was really a, a training session for strength. Mm. You know, there was certainly. I think I it, it took me about twenty four minutes to do that one, but it was that was purely as a strength training exercise. You know, that was not a, going to be a PB effort. So it's that some of the ways that I've used them. But what about you? Well, lots of different ways, and I've also got some suggestions that I haven't actually done to date, but would be also good for people who are either just starting out or coming back to running. So the first one that I had in there was to basically have some kind of walk-run strategy. So we've spoken a bit about my walk-run strategies. So for park run, what you could do, depending on where you're coming from, is you could do 
a minute on, a minute off, and then various variations of that depending on where you're at in terms of your fitness. So you could you could even take that up to two minutes on, a minute off, three on, four on, five on with a minute off in between those, and that would just give you a way to kind of break it up a little bit if you're at the stage where you're fit enough to actually do some running but maybe not fit enough to run the entire 5k distance so the walk run strategy is my first suggestion for running park run the other one that i've got is once you're and maybe after you're fit enough when and you think that you're going to run the full distance that's your first sort of pb attempt and then you run the full the full distance and see how fast you can go that's all well and good so you sort of then set that one aside and another one that you can do is to see how fast you can either run or run walk park run while maintaining an aerobic heart rate so Mm. this is that sort of sub maximal test that you can do see how your aerobic speed is going so you, you do your Phil Maffetone 180 minus your age formula and you you set your watch up to show yourself your heart rate and you basically stick either on or under that heart rate for the for the five kilometers and then at the end you look back and say well how fast did I run my park run and that, that'll give you a baseline that you can compare going forward because what you'll find over time and I think when I was doing my park runs in the marathon build-up there were a, f- a couple of park runs where I was doing them in about 25 minutes or slightly under and still being able to run those aerobically so at a 137 heart rate or below so that's another good benchmark and that's a different kind of pb that you could focus for and sort of say well yeah what's my aerobic park run pb and how does that improve over time the other one is is a bit similar to your suggestion of learning a comfortable pace or a controlled pace strategy and that would be basically just use your park run as a threshold type session you would have your rough approximation of what your maximum heart rate is and then you would run between 88 to 92 percent of that for the duration of the park run and then see what kind of pace that you maintain for there so that gives you another benchmark of what is your threshold pace your anaerobic threshold pace for park run so you could do that as well that would be a good one and the last one which is again is similar to what you mentioned about kicking home hard but if you're if you've got a particular pace goal that you're working towards but you feel like you're not quite ready to have a crack at it what you could do is to run easy or aerobically for the first one or two kilometers and then depending on where you're at you basically choose to run either the last four three two or one kilometers at your goal race pace or your goal park run pb race pace so that's one that I've used before and it's it's kind of good because you get that feeling of completing your 5K without completely cooking yourself from going flat out from the gun. So like running the last two or three Ks at your, at your um, goal pace, it's still pretty taxing and it'll give you mm. a good simulation of what it's going to feel like towards the the final parts of your, your 5K. So yeah, there's a few different suggestions. I'm sure there'd be a million other ways that you could run park run, but it's probably good to have half a dozen different ways that you could do it so you don't sort of feel like that you're locked into just trying to hit a PB every week. Yeah, which of course is impossible. But I actually have just seen that they've just uh, started park run in Japan now. Yes. And, you know, another great way to use park run is when you're traveling and, you know, you can get out there, you know, meet locals enjoy the park run and also try and keep fit whilst you're out there as well so get amongst it 
internationally as well as uh, in your local sort of parkrun area. Absolutely. And because we're still, I'm moving on to what's coming up next now, but because we're still in the 5K training and racing, racing season till the end of the month, Lisa, I've got one more weekend when I could have a crack at breaking 20 minutes for 5K. So I'm contemplating sneaking over to Castle Main Park Run on Saturday morning to have one last dash at that. So, you just weren't satisfied, were you? No, still eating quite. away at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to want to be able to turn the page on our next season with having achieved my goal. So uh, I'm going to give that one last crack, and that'll be good because it'll it'll give me another park run on my A to Z list. Yeah, I haven't, haven't yeah. got a park run starting with C yet, so Castle Main could be could be it on Saturday morning. Yeah, well, you're sneaking in, aren't you? One, you're leaving it one day left till uh, That's right. the, end of, <laughs> the end of March. And hey, look, if you end up running 16 minutes, actually, no, you, need to run, you need to run 15 minutes, I think, and then you are, <laughs> you take out the title. So, uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, not that strange. That would be, yeah, that would be a bit like the aliens arriving, that one. It's pretty unlikely. <laughs> Uh, well, actually, since we've mentioned that, I, I haven't forgotten because since I did win the challenge, oh, uh, no. <laughs> there is <laughs> there is the, uh, the the losing challenge that needs to occur, and I've actually so I've got I've, I've got three options. Okay, I figured that uh, I'll put these to you, and you can you can pick the lesser of the three evils. Do I have to decide now, or do I get a week's thinking time? Uh, no, I'll give you a week's thinking time. You can mull over it in park run, maybe decide which one you want to do. Mm-hmm. So. I'll run through them. So option one is to take an adult ballet lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Option two is to do a fun run in full fancy dress. Oh, okay, yep. Or option three, which I think I've been quite kind on this one, to volunteer at a park run but wearing something bright. So there are your three options. You'll have a week to think about it and come back and, and tell us which one you're going to do. Uh, okay. Are there, are there any guidelines for the fancy dress if I chose to do the, the fun run in fancy dress? Yes, it has to be like a full-on fancy dress. So you can't just pop on a pair of butterfly wings and right. uh, or, or a big hat. Like it needs to be you know, like a, a giant bumblebee outfit or, you know, running, running in a horse running a, or something. Running a suit or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Or like um, I'm going to I'm gonna pronounce his surname incorrectly but yuki oh i'll start with yuki the Just japanese yuki. yeah the, people the know japanese who you're talking about phenomenon who did his last run as a non-professional in a ninja suit and a half marathon <laughs> and ran something like uh, an hour seven or an hour eight or something ridiculous yeah. so if he can do it then uh, you can too <laughs> okay okay i like it and also if you choose the fancy dress option i will let you decide on what distance so you might find a, a, a triathlon or something that uh, is about 1k around your block yeah we'll see how we go i don't think i'll go fancy dress in the canberra half marathon <laughs> <laughs> will probably stymie my ambitions to break 90 minutes <laughs> Oh, dear. So I'll leave those with you and you can mull over them whilst you're trying to crack 20 minutes on Saturday. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Well, I'm going to run a 6K threshold tonight with people at Lake Gwendoree and then I might do park run on the weekend. What are you doing? Uh, Well, I'm actually going to Orange. So it's a a little town in New South Wales. They've got the, the New South Wales Mountain Champs. I'm not competing, but I am 
running. So I'll be doing it. Um, it's actually going to be my training session for the week. So I've never done it before. We went up there last year, but unfortunately the event was cancelled because of bushfires. Mm-hmm. And ironically this year it's going to be about three to six degrees. So <laughs> talk about difference in conditions. So I'm probably going to freeze because the race, I think, or the run, it is a race, but I'm doing it as a run, is about, I think, maybe 8 o'clock in the morning. So up in the mountains, it's going to be a bit fresh. Time to get the leggings out Mm, and the the beanie and gloves. I'm going to be pretty cold, but I'm looking forward to it, actually. It's going to be my last sort of really hard run before Canberra because that will be two weeks out. And the distance is 11Ks, but given the terrain, that 11Ks is going to feel like I've pretty much done double that, I think. So I'm looking forward to that. But, hey, one thing that I'm going to just sort of finish with is we've been tracking my husband's JT's efforts and he raced on that same day that I did on Saturday at the 3K, but he doubled up. He did a 1,500 and a 3K. And again, so he's now seven races and seven PBs. He ran, I actually couldn't believe it. So the 1500, he ran 425, Man, uh, another, another two seconds off his previous PB. But the 3K, I honestly thought that he'll be lucky to go under 10 minutes. He'd, he'd had a bit of a head cold during the week. And I was taking his lap splits and thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's going okay, but didn't really equate. Um, he ended up running 9.40. 9.40 is seriously so, moving. <laughs> it was a 15-second PB and there was about, I don't know, an hour and a half or two hours between the two races. So, yeah, I just it was another great uh, great run. He's He's keeping our small team together for um, <laughs> positive performances. He's, he's overachieving. He's gonna, he's just making us look bad at the moment. <laughs> I know. He's, he's going to have to go and join another podcast. He's, uh, he's, yeah, he's too fast for us. He'll, he'll end up on the Inside Running podcast at this rate. Exactly. Keeps well, running that this, fast. Exactly. With his trajectory, uh, he'll definitely be hitting the elites. But funny story, actually. So there was a lot of um, runners from our club that were there on Saturday, and there's a, a guy who finished just in front of JT from our club and he's a a really good runner. Uh, And he turned to JT after the race because he'd only just finished a couple of steps behind this really good runner and he said, well, how much do you weigh? (laughs) And JT was like, oh, um, I think I'm about 80, 82 kilos. And this guy was like, how do you run so fast being 82 kilos? Because he's super strong. (laughs) Like that's that's how he does it. Uh, do we came home and JT's like, oh, I didn't think 82 kilos was that heavy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're racing against guys that are probably about 60 kilos. Yeah, that's right. I've seen some of the photos of some of your club mates and there's some lean beans in there. <laughs> oh, exactly. And so this particular guy who asked him the question, like he's just a ball of muscle. There's not an ounce of fat on him. And JT's like, well, you know, how much do you weigh? And he was like, oh, I'm lucky to be 70 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, dear. So I I overheard that conversation. I thought it was quite funny. (laughs) Yeah, just goes to show it's not what you weigh, it's what you can do, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, he's... He's going well. He's leaving you and I uh, way behind. So he is. We'll just... yeah. I, I think we should get him to coach us next. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm claiming all these PBs and his progression is from my coaching. So Yeah, no, he's been quite complimentary about your coaching skills. So uh, well yeah, done. Exactly. I think uh, maybe there's a calling, there's an opening for me. Could be. All right. I think that is a wrap. Mm. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next week.